This is Tani Talks Radio, the shield where we talk about a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. You can listen to us on the Google Play app, on the Apple App Store app of the Sheer Enjoyment Radio app that we built with the developers at Radio.com. You can listen to us after the fact as a podcast on different podcast forums, including Spotify, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Podbean, and the like. Of course, Yidpod itself is what we're going to be doing as well here. And you can listen to us as well on different podcast forums. You can listen to us in the different apps on the different ways that you can listen to us every week. We try to go through a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. And in, and we also try to bring in different aspects, different analyses, and different ways to going about things. So here let's talk about the idea of you're so critical. Let's look at the different aspects and we'll see how we can relate it to our life. We are talking the idea of a criticism in life. Not a good thing, not a wonderful thing, not something we have, we want in our life or that anyone would want in their life. Can't you do anything right? I asked you to take out the garbage already. Why is the dish still in the couch? Put it in the sink right now. Do your homework already. Get dressed this very instant. Why can't you just pull your weight already? You're no help. Ugh, I could have done it myself ten times already. What's the matter with you? What's wrong with you? Are you demented? God forbid we should never say such things to anyone. These might be just some of the ways we address others, especially our spouses, our kids, our families, and friends. However, when listening to how this sounds, it feels quite harsh. It is quite harsh. Contrary to the famous phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words really can hurt. Words really do hurt, especially when used to be sharply critical and condescending to someone else. Let's first define what these terms mean in tonight's official topic. From a dictionary standpoint, criticism, you're so critical. Criticism is seen as to find fault with, to judge the merits and faults of, to analyze and evaluate as well as to find what's wrong with something or with someone. To find what's wrong with something or to find what's wrong with someone. Cynical can be defined as believing or showing the belief that people are motivated chiefly by base or selfish concerns. Skeptical of the motives of others as well as selfishly or callously calculating and negative or pessimistic as from world weariness. It can also be seen as distrustful of the motives of others. Further, when when we think of one who is a scoffer, which builds on the idea of cynicism and relates to it, the idea of a scoffer can be seen as someone who makes fun of someone or something, often of a religious or moral value, to show or express derision or scorn as well. It's so easy, unfortunately, to criticize others. It is so easy, sadly, to criticize our shuls, our schools, our governments, our lands of exile, and even, even the land of Israel itself and its modern state of how it's run. But how easy is it to accept criticism? How easy is it to take in all the muster to lessons others want to tell us? How easy is it really to do criticism in the right way? Or to hold back and not do it at all, especially when it is burning within us to come out? 
If someone must criticize, make sure you do so in a warm and loving manner. With soft-spoken demeanor and words used, I cannot tell you how much of a difference it makes. When an administrator or boss or a supervisor tells me something in a harsh, coarse, mean manner versus when it is done in a warm and loving manner. When it is done in a warm, loving manner, it is so much better. If someone has to let someone go from a job, it can be done in a calm, nice, respectful manner versus the opposite. God forbid. Think about how people who let others go and how they can phrase it. Think about the following made-up situation. I wrote this myself. Yanko has been in your business advertising company for 10 months. Although the company has been around 10 plus years, recent competition and economic problems have put the company in serious financial trouble. You have cut costs in every manner possible and as a last resort to use money from a salary to save the company, you had to make the terrible decision of letting someone go to get back that money to save the company. The company has 10 employees, most of which have been with you since the beginning, since the founding of the company, since its inception. Most of them have been there 10 plus years, except for Yanko. So the decision to have to let him go was inevitable in some way. As a preemptive measure, which I believe is a nice thing to give a heads up from the start, you had told him a few months ago to start looking around in the job market as the company was not in its top manner. And not ever will be able to stay in the company unfortunately pause in this scenario what can be done to soften the blow if you tell your uncle to come in how do you summon him to begin with let's look at version a and version b of the summons think about version a of the summons hi uncle it's Schmerl here would you be at all possible to please come to my office when you have a minute i need to talk to you when you have time this might be less anxiety-provoking than version B of the summons. Yanko, come to my office immediately. We need to talk. You can imagine what he feels when he hears that. The latter phrase is a terrifying way to be told to come to the boss. Obviously, in the summons case here, version A is much better. Sometimes people have to be let go. Unfortunately, we should never know from such things in our lives or the lives of anyone we know ever. But unfortunately, it is done in a harsh, critical, and abrupt manner. Let's look at two versions of letting Yankul go, version A and version B. Here is version A. Hi, Yankul, we need to talk. We're sorry, but we need to let you go to save the company. You have been here the least time, and your work is not as good and as lasting or helpful as everyone else in the company. That is abrupt, critical, mean, and harsh way to let the employee go amongst many other words that could be used. It feels terrible to the employee, shatters his self-esteem, shatters his life in general. I gave 10 months to the company. What are you doing to me? How could you do this? This is so wrong, so corrupt. Here's another way to phrase it. Exerting more words and more time and more effort, but much 
better overall i believe it would be well worth the time well worth the words and well worth the effort to explain it to him in this version of version b hi uncle i wanted to talk to you for a bit Unfortunately, the economy has hit us really hard. Inflation is through the roof. We are not able to hold on to all of our amazing workers. The company can only keep those who have been with us 10 plus years. With many years of seniority, especially since the beginning in our founding, due to our current restrictive constraints. We wanted to let you know that you are superbly talented and have made a wonderful difference at this company as a token of our appreciation. Here is a severance pay that we try to make as generous as possible with our current financial constraints and a list of our competitors. A list of our competitors that we can have and we are asking for you to use that as well. I also wrote a letter of recommendation for you. This is a letter of recommendation that you can use for yourself to be able to find a other job that you can find for yourself. And this is a job that hopefully you could find somewhere else. I'm giving you a list of my competitors. I hope it will help you find another job. I wish you much Hatzlacha. I wish you much success in the future, and I'm terribly sorry to have to see you go. Good luck with everything, and be well. If you need a recommendation letter, I also tucked it into you, into that folder, which we mentioned before, but I wanted to tell you a second time just so you know. I'm so sorry to see you go. If you ever need anything, please don't hesitate to call, text, or email me at any time. Much Hatzlacha with your life. Even though the same message is conveyed, that the employee had to have been let go, the recipient can feel so much more better about the outcome and about the boss as well. His dignity of the worker as being a worker is intact. And we can feel good that we let him go in a good way and the worker can feel good that he was let let go in a good way also. And he made a difference. He feels that he made a difference in the company. And he has some wiggle room to look for new jobs thanks to the severance and the options the boss gave him to take with him. How wonderful would it be if we lived in such a world that that could happen? Obviously, in this case, version B is the way to go. Not only is this avoiding criticism, but major chesed to help the worker find a job as the highest level of tzedakah the Rambam Maimonides explains is that of giving someone a job or helping someone to find a job to help them be self-sufficient. Not to need tzedakah is the best level to help someone. Really, being self-sufficient, being able to care for yourself and your family is the highest. If someone is in debt, if someone has much, much debt in their life, I could tell you, and many others can tell you, unfortunately, there are some hard times for people throughout the years. The best thing to be is where someone can help you feel self-sufficient. Someone calls your local grocery, loads up the card for you, and you can still shop like a mensch. You can still shop with dignity, with self-respect, 
that is the nicest thing I think I've ever heard done in my entire life. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Someone gives someone else a job, they know they're in major financial trouble, they have major credit card debt, they have major student loan debt, they have major mortgage debt. There's so many debts out there nowadays. There's so much inflation, so many bills, but you help him find a job so he can be self-sufficient. That is the highest level of tzedakah possible. Chabad points out, from the Rambam and Mishnah Torah, Laws of Charity 10, the greatest level above which there is no greater is to support a fellow Jew by endowing him with a gift or a loan or entering into a partnership with him or finding employment for him in order to strengthen his hand so that he will not need to be dependent upon others. Helping someone find a job or giving someone something to help them be self-sufficient is the highest level of charity, period. A major, major chesed. A phrase I think often that comes from a Chinese proverb, but of course they probably got it from us. Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Again, a beautiful proverb that we should all take to heart. Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. The idea being that teaching someone how to do something is more helpful to them in the long run than just doing it for them. Or giving or helping someone find a job is more helpful than giving charity as they learn to do. They learn to support themselves rather than rely on other people. Also, using our words in the right ways can really help and is so important for so many factors. We learn from the example of Yaakov Avinu and Moshe Rabinu. They didn't criticize until the day of the end of their life. Literally for Moshe, the day of the end of his life and for Yaakov towards the very end of his life. And even so, they chose their words very carefully. For example, Yaakov cursed the anger of Shimon and Levi, but not themselves. Yaakov mentioned the act of Reuven and its disgrace, but not punishing Reuven from being part of the tribes. Not mentioning it straight up to Reuven himself. Even when Yaakov criticized these three of his children for their conduct, he did so at the end of his life and said it in a very simple manner. It comes from my Parsha, my favorite Parsha, and the whole Torah, my Bar Mitzvah Parsha, Vayachi. Unstable as water, Bereshis 49. Unstable as water, you shall excel no longer. For when you mounted your father's bed, you brought disgrace, my couch be mounted. Mepharshim commentators explain that he actually moved the bed from a different tent, and it was a major affront to Leir's honor, because if Rachel had to be a source of a disagreement, a source of a rival for my father. Why should a maidservant be a rival? He moves the tent, but it was totally inappropriate because you don't dwell into the straight up secret details of your parents' lives. In general, you should not involve yourselves in many aspects of many people's lives, not money, not relationships, not different aspects. Really need to have boundaries in general. But that's what Yaakov said to Ruvain. For Shimon and Levi, he focused on their rage, not them themselves. Shimon and Levi are a pair. Their weapons are tools of lawlessness. Let not my person be included in their counsel. Let not my being be counted in their assembly. For when angry they slay men, 
When pleased they maim oxen, cursed be their anger, so fierce, and their wrath so relentless. I will divide them in Jacob. I will scatter them in Israel. So again, Yaakov is not cursing them themselves, but cursing their attributes, cursing their angry, cursing their wrath. I will divide them and Yaakov scatter them in Israel. Thus, even when criticizing, Yaakov made sure to do so in a manner that would be productive. To do so in a manner that would be careful. Even by Moshe Rabbeinu, he also chose to criticize at an exact point in his life, literally the last day of his life, and a specific location and with specific words. The Rashi points out, on Devarim in Aleph Aleph and Gimel and Dalin. These are the words. Why does it say Eilah HaDevarim? We're going to come to this Parsha very soon here in summer 2023. These are the words because these are words of reproof. And he is enumerating here all the places where they provoke God to anger. Therefore he suppresses all mention of all the matters in which they sin and refers to them only by a mere allusion contained in the names of these places out of regard for Israel. Then it says, I'll call Israel, if he had reproved only some of them, those who were there in the street, those who were absent, might have said, You heard from the son of Amram and did not answer a single word regarding this and that. Had we been there, we would have given him an answer. On this account, he assembled all of them and said to all of them, See, you are all here. He who has anything to say in reply, let him reply. And then it talks about how it was the 40th year, the 11th month, the first of the month Moshe spoke. This tells us he reproved them only right before his death. Moshe died on the seventh day of the 12th month. So this is very, very close to his death, if not the last day, then the last weeks of his life. From whom did he learn this? From Yaakov, who reproved his sons only shortly before his death. Because he was worried that Reuben would flee to Asaph, the wicked Asaph. Can you imagine? But he still didn't give criticism until the end of his life. Moshe said, if I give criticism before they enter at least a part of the land, they will say, what claim has this man upon us? What good has he ever conferred upon us? He only comes... His purpose is only to vex us and discover some pretext for leaving us in the wilderness, in the midbar, for he really has not the power to bring us into the land, God forbid. On this account, he waited until he had defeated Sihon and Og before them, had given them possession of their land, and only after that did he reprove them. So Moshe figured out how to criticize in the best way, only at the end of his life, in front of everyone, subtly hinting at different sins because criticism in general is something best to avoid on all levels. You're so critical is not a good thing to be. You're so critical is not a good thing to have. You're so critical is something to avoid in your life. H.com points out, and we adapt it from author Serial Chavid Riegler, is there one thing a person can do to prevent most of the ills of life? Is there a single practice that will eliminate the fever, the chill, the cycles that plague most aspects of life, especially relationships? Indeed, there is. However, one shot is not enough. Even two or three injections will not suffice. 
This is a practice that must be undertaken daily, perhaps several times a day, but its effectiveness has been proven. The results are impressive beyond expectation. What is this practice? Simple. Stop criticizing. Stop being critical. Stop being negative. Stop being nagging. And stop breaking people down. Criticism destroys so much. It whittles away at the bond between people. It feeds the negativity of the criticizer and undermines the self-esteem of the criticized. Nothing good comes from criticism. Nothing good comes from being critical. No one ever wants to be told, You're so critical! No one ever wants to be told that you are critical. It's not a good thing to have in life. It's not a good thing to be involved in your life. It's not a good thing to have on any level. We don't want that in our life. We don't want that to have it involved and we don't want it to be involved in this aspect. We don't want it to be what is a part of our life. Get rid of it from your life Get rid of it from your aspect and get rid of it from your person and get rid of it from around you. We want to make sure in our life to not be a critical person. We want to make sure in our life to not have criticism. We want it to be in our life that we are doing what we can to be good to others, to be nice to others and to make sure that we are able to be good in this life. We want to make sure that we are good in this life, that we are good to others in this life. We want to make sure that we can be an aspect of life that is fantastic and wonderful. We want it to be an aspect of life where people want us in their life, where they're happy with us in their life, and they want to see us in their life. If we don't have that, we are missing something majorly. If we don't see that, something is really not correct and really not good in our life. Moshe knew not to do this in his life. Moshe knew, Yaakov knew not to do this until the end of his life. We can get rid of this. Stop criticizing. It's destroying everyone around you. Studies have shown that the human brain is hardwired to negativity. Psychologists call this the negativity bias, the congenital tendency to notice. And remember, the negative more than the positive. It's a way of life, unfortunately. It's why a wife will remember the times her husband forgot her birthday. We should never do anything like that. Always have it written down. Always have reminders in your house. One of the first things I bought in our house was a What a Difference a Day Makes, personalizationmall.com. And it shows the three most important dates, the first date, the engagement date, and the marriage date. You can never forget if it's constant reminding you and your spouse that it's always there. We even made a sign, what a difference a day makes for our own room, for each of our kids with their Hebrew and English birthday, because it's a beautiful thing to see. But if you do forget, God forbid, she will remember it for life. More than the hundred times, you shall be zochah to live 120 years together, but more than the hundred times you remember to give a card or a gift or go way on beyond. It's why a husband will focus on his wife's one extravagant expenditure. 
expenditure in a credit card bill filled with her necessary no-fund purchases of food and supplies for the family. Spouses criticize because they see their husband or wife doing something wrong and they want to stop the egregious behavior. Never are intelligent people more prone to folly than when they criticize in an effort to improve their spouse because no one ever improves from criticism. No one ever improves from criticism. Let that be the one lesson we learned together tonight. No one ever improves from criticism. Husbands still leave their socks on the floor after decades of nagging. Wives still spend too much time talking on the phone despite their husbands repeatedly pointing out what they should be doing instead. Obviously, there's much better ways of going about both of those things, mind you, but that's not for here. Now, repeated criticism proves the adage, insanity is doing something over and over and over again and thinking you'll have a different result. Wives complain for 30 years. I've been telling my diabetic husband what he shouldn't eat. He's not going to change after 20 years or 30 years or 40 years. It's ingrained in his being. If he loves that sweet tooth, it's not going to change. For 30 years, you've been telling him and you expect a different result this time? Insanity. Insanity. Criticism is worse than merely being ineffective to change your partner. Criticism creates a toxic atmosphere in the home. No one likes to be criticized, period. You're so critical, not a good thing. No one on this earth likes to be criticized, unless they're a masochist, maybe. Criticism is strange as the criticized party who is likely to retreat emotionally or even physically, finding manifold excuses not to come home. God forbid. Criticism also harms the criticizer who gets caught in a vicious cycle of focusing on the negative, of finding endless reasons to be unhappy, to be angry, to be down. Criticism is a violation of the Torah's prohibition of onas devarim, speaking words that hurt another person. So how do you stop criticizing? Simply stop criticizing. There's a hundred things I wish X, Y, or Z did for me. There's a hundred things I wish A, B, or C did for me. I'm not going to criticize. It's not going to change them. I could vent. I could talk. I could work it out with a mental health professional, which I highly recommend for every normal sane person on earth weekly because we all have major stressors in life and it shouldn't be that only a crazy person goes to a psychologist. That doesn't make sense. Everyone, everyone can benefit from mental health. Everyone. But the prohibition is onas devarim. So the question is, how do you just stop cold turkey? Simply stop criticizing Go on a criticism fast. Every time you're about to criticize your spouse, your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter, your friend, stop and say to yourself, criticism never helps and always hurts. A beautiful mantra for life. Criticism never helps and always hurts. Another thing, if you're going to remember one thing from the whole night, no one ever responds well to criticism. Criticism never helps 
and always hurts. I don't care if it's your son. I don't care if it's your daughter. I don't care if it's your spouse or your parent. Criticism does not work, period. Criticism is never warranted, period. You let people make their own mistakes. You let them work on it. Obviously, you can help them and guide them if they ask for your help. If they ask for your input. If they want your help. If I don't ask you, please don't tell me. I didn't ask you to tell me how to make my schedule. I didn't ask you to tell me what to do, where to get, what to buy, what to get, what to purchase. I didn't ask. Don't tell me. Don't butt in. Don't criticize. Criticism never helps and always hurts. There's a reason why even at work, they don't tell me how to make my schedule. They don't criticize my schedule, thank God. They just say you need to have eight sessions a day. Make sure to get all the kids in. Make sure your mandates are seen. You make your own schedule. You're grown up enough that you can make your schedule. If you can get a degree, you can get married, you can have children, you're grown up enough to make your own decisions and work things out yourself. Especially at work, especially at home, especially with your spouse, you should be Zoha. Especially with your children, you should also be Zoha. Criticism never helps and always hurts. The Muslim masters advise using a chart to change ingrained behavior patterns. Make yourself a chart with a box for each day. Every time you're tempted to criticize your kid, your spouse, your neighbor, you stop. You give yourself a check on the chart. If we could do it for kids, why can't we do it for ourselves? Make yourself a criticism chart. Every time you're tempted to criticize anyone and you stop, you give yourself a check and a pat on the back. When you get 10 checks, buy yourself a small reward that you'll enjoy, like a yummy cup of coffee, a yummy smoothie. That's what I would get. When you get 25 checks, buy yourself a big reward, like that coffee machine you really wanted, like that beautiful new safer. Halavai, we should all have such goals that you wanted, like that really, really good book you've been waiting three months to get, you're just waiting to have a little more in the account. Get what you really want when you earn it. Every time you want to criticize, pause, stop. Stop it in its tracks. Go on that criticism fast. Just don't criticize. It is very difficult not to criticize. There are many times in my life where I want to criticize many different people, but it doesn't help. It doesn't work. The only person in this entire life that you really can work on is yourself. The only person that you really can change is yourself. You're not going to change your spouse. You're not going to change your son. You're not going to change your daughter. You're not going to change your friend. You're not going to change your coworker. The only one in this world that you could work on is yourself. You want to give criticism, give it to yourself. Work on yourself. Don't start spewing this to everyone else when really you yourself need the most help. Self-talk, self-criticism, if you do it in a loving, gentle manner to yourself, is the only criticism that really should ever be given. When you get those checks for yourself, get yourself something in reward. Sarah Lechavid Rieger also points out on H.com, the Torah actually prohibits negative speech even if it is true. 
Lashon Hara is Lashon Hara even if it's true. Speaking about another person, Lashon Hara, alienates both the speaker and the listener from the person being spoken about. Speaking words that hurt the person you are speaking to, or not stivarim, alienates the criticizer from the criticized, and vice versa. There is indeed a commandment to rebuke your fellow Jew, rather than hold a grudge in your heart, but the parameters of giving proper rebuke are so detailed, so carefully laid out, and so involved in the minutiae that almost no one on earth can give proper rebuke. It is carefully delineated by the sages that almost no one can give that rebuke. Rebuke must be given privately and be specific, not you never, you always. The person rebuked must feel helped rather than criticized. But already, 1,500 years ago, the sages said, no one knows 1,500 years ago how to give proper rebuke, so no one should do it because the mitzvah of rebuke can be rarely, ever, properly fulfilled. 1,500 years ago, the Talmud already said this. So, Kava Homer, 1,500 years later, no one can give proper rebuke, so it's better not to do it at all, ever. A male commentator on the above site quoted a statement attributed to the Chavetz Chaim. More than we have lost the ability to hear criticism, we have lost the ability to deliver criticism. That's why it should be avoided at all costs. Every person must first be aware of his or her feelings. Repression is physically and psychologically harmful. Next, every person must take responsibility for his or her feelings. As any cognitive therapist will explain, your feelings are the result of how you frame a situation. If you frame a situation differently, you will feel differently. Next, one must introspect and question one's motive for expressing negative feelings to one's spouse. These are so many things amongst many, many more things that you're supposed to take into account before you even think about opening your mouth to say criticism that really no one can do it at all nowadays. It is crucial to control the words that come out of our mouths and to be careful in what we say to another person. So then the idea really is to throw away the whole aspect of criticizing. You're so critical is not a good thing and no one should do it. Just stop what you were about to say. Hold it in. Swallow the comment let it go and see what happens. Peace and serenity can then reign, which is greater than any words you could have said that you thought would help, but would indeed instead have greatly hurt. H.com points out with the author Rabbi Shraga Simmons, the Medrash in Tanadevei Eliyahu, Eliyahu Zuta, tells the story of Eliyahu Hanavi, my favorite prophet in the whole Tanakh. We just had a, had the, one of the stories about him recently because Pinchas was one of the parshas recently here in summer 2023. Elio and Pinchas either share the same spirit or the same nefesh or the same ideology. Elio was a very zealous person as, as of course Pinchas was too. So Eliyahu is Zoha throughout lifetime, however you want to see it, to meet up with different people, to have to come to Brisim and Seders. And we see stories of him throughout the Talmud. One time, the Medrash talks about a story of Eliyahu meeting up with a fisherman. The great prophet Eliyahu asks, Do you study Torah? 
No, replies the fisherman, I'm just a simple man, not endowed with any measure of talent or intelligence. Tell me, says Eliyahu, how do you prepare your fishing net? Well, says the man, it's actually quite complicated. First, I have to select the proper gauge or gauge rope, and then I weave the net in a particular pattern to ensure the proper balance of strength and flexibility. Eliel then inquires, how do you go about actually catching the fish? Oh, said the man, that involves many complex factors like water depth, temperature, speed of the current, season of the year, time of day, type of fish, and location. I've spent years mastering those techniques, and I'm able to earn a good living, thank God, from fishing. When you get to heaven, Eliyahu says, you said you plan to test whether you didn't study Torah study because you're just a simple man not endowed with any talent or intelligence. But your expertise as a fisherman refutes your very own claim. Did you ever hear someone say he doesn't have time to study wisdom, visit his mother, or do volunteer work? Yet what about all the hours of TV he watches? This is tochacha, incontrutable proof, and this is something very, very few people throughout history have ever been able to do. Look at the story that H.com points out with Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg. In the early 1970s, Maryland was one of the first states that came out with vanity license plates. You could choose up to six letters and personalize your license plate. The author's friend's father had a great idea. He was working as a director for NCSY at the time, so he got a license plate with the word Torah. He was so proud of that license plate driving around. Every so often, someone Jewish would pull up beside him and honk and wave to show or take pride in their Jewish identity. And of course, sometimes others would honk and give a different gesture to demonstrate their lack of support for Torah or Jews. One hectic Friday, the man had an order waiting for him at a restaurant. The hour was late. Shabbos was coming. We all know how difficult Fridays are with Shabbos, especially early Shabbos is in the winter. And there was no place to park. He circled around and around the block once and again. And finally, he double parked, turned on his hazard lights and ran in to pick up his orders, which were not completely ready. A few moments later, he returned to his car to find not one, but two notes on the windshield, which essentially said the same thing. For a Torah Jew, illegally doubly parking and blocking traffic is not a mitzvah. Message received. Just one week later, the friend's father was driving and found himself stuck behind a driver who seemed to be moving in slow motion. He sped up to pass him and stared down the slow driver as he did, sure enough. Half a mile later, he stopped at a traffic light and the other driver pulled up next to him and rolled down his window and said, You know, a person representing Torah should have a little more patience. That night, my friend's mother saw her husband, the friend's mother saw her husband removing the license plates from his car and asked him what he's doing. I'm going back to number plates. But why? You love those plates, his wife said. He related the recent events to his wife and shared his frustration, but instead of offering comfort or support, she challenged him. So what you're saying is you would rather change your license plate than change your behavior? He kept the license plates and he worked on changing himself. We can point out to others how to better themselves with using subtle maneuvers or hints or pointing out their strengths and building on them. Focus on the positive, not the negative. Focus on the strengths and not the weaknesses.
Even psychology has learned this over the years, way later than the Judaism, of course. I remember learning as a psych major in YU about positive versus negative reinforcers and punishments. The field of psychology has studied that positive reinforcements, which means to give something to see more of good behavior, verbal praises or primary enforcers like a snack or a food, or secondary like tokens or money or gifts, is better than any negative reinforcement in life. Negative reinforcement being removing something to see more of the good behavior, like less chores in the house, because your son did well on a test. And of course, reinforcement is better than any punishment, good or bad. Positive or negative punishment, really. Positive punishment is giving more homework to decrease tantruming. Positive punishment. Negative punishment is losing TV privileges to decrease tantrums. You're taking something away to decrease a behavior. That's negative punishment. Punishments or negative reinforcements don't really work nearly as well as positive reinforcement. Being positive is always better. Rule of life. This works with talking to others, praising what they do instead of criticizing what they don't do. For example, instead of saying, Honey, why can you never help me in the morning? It's so hard for me. You never help out and it ruins my day. This is very negative. This is very critical. This is harsh and not helpful. If they ever do end up helping, say, Honey, thank you so much for helping me get the kids ready today. I can't tell you how much it helped and made my day so much easier. How much more likely is the spouse to help after getting such lavish praise? By the way, if you want a better way of working out the mornings, you could say something like, I just wanted to let you know, honey, that unfortunately in the morning it's like really hectic it's like really really stressful and there's a lot of pressing issues in the morning it would be so wonderful and so kind of you if you could help me just for a few minutes for a few things in the morning it would literally change my day you know my wife herself has a very hectic morning always throughout the year especially when i work summer school which i believe i always try to do and when the kids have to get to camp and then we got to drop one off it's very difficult so she tells me what well, would be helpful in the morning do you mind setting up the stroller for the baby's nap do you mind putting on the sunscreen on the kids before you go do you mind making sure their bags are packed these little things could be very helpful to my morning instead of being harsh like the example you never help me in the morning it ruins my day that is never gonna work it's never gonna happen that someone's gonna help but if you say there are a lot of things, little things that need to be taken care of in the morning. If it's possible for X, Y, or Z, that would be super helpful to my day. And then thank you so much for helping me. My day went so much more better. How much more likely is this spouse to help again after getting such lavish praise, after being told directly what to do, how to help? The same goes with others at work and others in life for kids. Positive reinforcement always works better than anything else. There are many examples throughout Tanakh and only certain very well qualified people could do it. The marshal of Nasan to David when David had the Bathsheba episode Nasan comes and uses a euphemism uses an example or uses an allegory whatever you want to call it. He talks about how the rich man had many many lambs. The poor man had one lamb. The rich man goes and takes the poor man's lamb. David is incensed. David is furious. Kill him! 
it's his initial reaction. Uriah, um, excuse me, Uriah was the one that took Bathsheba from, of course. Nelson says, that man is you! David immediately says, I am guilty before Hashem. Nelson says, because you admitted it right away, Hashem will take care of you. Don't worry, you'll have another child. This child's not going to make it, but you'll have another child. Nelson knew what to do. He gave him an allegory. He gave him a story, a marshal, very effective Shmuel talks to Shaul also. Shaul, after you, he, he doesn't do the right thing and he goes and he, he leaves over people from Amalek, Shmuel tells him straight up, what is the sound of sheep I hear? Why did you leave Agag? Who's the worst offender? He has a kid, Haman, many generations later because you left him over for a day. There are ways of going about it, but we are not nearly on any level to do this. You know, Mordechai also gives criticism to Esther in the Purim story. Don't think that you will be spared from the king's decree. Maybe, You know, you and your father's house, God forbid, can perish. Something like that. Who knows, at this point in your life, Hashem put you in this position. Why do you think he put you here? Maybe this was the reason why you were made queen of all the thousands of thousands of people in the world. Ahasuerus chose Esther. Why? Maybe because of this point in your life. This is what you were meant to do in this life. One key message, one key phrase literally changes the around the whole story. Because Mordechai knew what to say. Hashem himself teaches us how to te- talk with others to try to get this to happen. In Boratius, he asks Adam, where are you? He knows where he is, but Adam and Chava had a sin, so Hashem tries to get them to open up. He talks to Cain. Where is Havel? He knows where he is, but he's trying to open up the conversation. Criticism is not something that any of us really can do in our life. It's not something that is possible. So the best solution is no criticism. The best solution is no talking and no saying the criticism to begin with. You're so critical is something that fundamentally has to change in life for all of us. Additionally, besides for not giving criticism, we should make sure not to be a cynical person or a cynic. I talk about this a lot. In the optimism, let's be optimistic, Sheer, which we might bring back, God willing. The key figure of that entire talk, of that entire Sheer, is Rabbi Akiva, the great Rabbi Akiva. Fascinating character, fascinating person in the Talmud. He had a very tough life, started learning very late, had a very, very, very sad ending, obviously. Nachem Mishkams, also very tough life, but they were the epitome of Komanda Avid Rahmana Avid Latova. They could have easily said, Look what happened to me in my life. Look what Hashem did to me. I don't deserve this. They could have been cynical. They could have been a cynic, but they were the greatest role model for positivity. A cynical person is not someone anyone wants to be around. A positive person is much better to be around, much better to be in general. It really makes life feel more pleasant for all people in life. A cynical person is always negative, looking for the ill in everything, trying to find things wrong with everything they see. It's much better to be someone who looks for the good and tries to be good in everything that we do in life. 
You have to be a good role model in life. And that comes with interactions as well. I try at work. I dafka wear my kippah. I want them to know that I'm Jewish outside of work, of course. I try to wear a hat for safety reasons. I don't always work in the best neighborhoods in my eight-plus years here in 2023, working Baruch Hashem for the DOE as an OT pediatric. But in life, when I'm at work, I try to be very positive and helpful and interactive and doing what I can. And in life, even when I pick up my kids, drop off my kids, always how we interact with the security guard, with the crossing guard, being Derek Eretz, I saw the male person at the 7-Eleven the other day, how are you? How are you doing? How was your trip? We knew she went on a trip for two weeks. She told us it's good to do simple things in life, to be a positive person in life. Don't be critical. Don't be cynical. Be positive. Be a role model. You need to be someone that is the role model. You have to show kids, not tell kids. You could tell kids what to do till you're blue in the face, but if you don't do it, they're not going to learn. Daddy, Abba, you tell me all the time to cook for people, but you never do it yourself. Is not something I'd ever want to hear my kids say. Baruch Hashem, over the years, we've cooked for many people. And it's not easy. It's very difficult. It's not simple. I have to cook for my own family, and then sometimes I cook for another family. Very rarely we have two families at the same time, which is super difficult. But if you don't show it, they're not going to learn it. You want to be someone who's not critical? Show them you don't criticize others. Show them even when you're dealing with difficult people, you don't criticize. You're not critical. You don't talk about them behind their back. You don't put them down behind their back. If you have to vent to your spouse, you do it way after kid bedtime, privately, quietly. You could vent to each other about different life stressors, but don't show it to the kids. Don't vent it to the kids. If you have to explain situations, do it in kid-friendly language. A person needs to remember that their kids will see what they do, learn from what they do more than from what they say. You have to be a doer, a chassid giver in your life. You can't give a criticism. It's not good. There are many sources, not for now, that talk about scoffers are bad, criticism is bad, you shouldn't do it, and rebuke is not good, and there's very specific ways of giving rebuke. We don't want to give rebuke. We don't want to be cynical. We want to be positive. We don't want to be a critical person. You don't want that being an outlook of your life. You don't want it to be that people say, that's such a critical person, that's such a cynical person, that's someone that has so much criticism they give to others, and they can't take it. It's not something that we want in our life. It's not something that we should have in our life. What we should do in our life is to be that wonderful example. Do something that you can help and you could show your kids. A family member signed up to help cook meals whenever someone in the shul gave birth. Women banded together to help the newborn's family get through the first week without having to worry about meals for the rest of the family. However, it could be a mistake not to draw the kids or others' attention to it sooner. People can't learn from what they don't know. A person needs to remember what they see and hear, and the only way for them to do so, this is from Rabbi Jay Goldman on H.com, is to see the actions and behavior and to see that it's repeated over and over again. It would also apply to singing songs at the Shabbos table every week until the songs are memorized, repeating aloud the blessings one is supposed to say when you hear thunder. Behaviors, feelings, stories, experiences need to be repeated and internalized until they are part of the fabric of one's being. If you want there to be long-term impact, an action must be felt by the person himself. It's not enough to see someone else doing it. The person needs to feel what it's like, needs feedback of whether it's done correctly. Tasks and ideas need to be practiced. 
like an instrument or a sport. It needs trainers and coaches. It needs to be honed time and time again. There needs to be motivation, an inherent system of reward that energizes the person. If we're active doers and chesed goers in our life, we can banish the criticism from those around us and from ourselves. If we could become our best selves, it can lead to becoming the best way of life for ourselves and those around us. We need to remember to be careful with our words and actions that they be positive and helpful to those around us. We need to remember cynicism and scoffing never helps, only hurts, should be avoided at all costs. I don't care if it's your son. I don't care if it's your daughter. I don't care if it's your spouse. I don't care if it's your parents. Criticism, cynicism, scoffing never hurts. Never helps, excuse me. Never helps, always hurts. Never helps, always hurts. No one ever changed from criticism. No one ever got better from criticism. No one ever changed because you asked them to change. People change from within themselves. Scoffing and cynicism leads to much negativity and destruction in the world. Make sure to rid it from around you. Be careful with whom and how you criticize. Use loving, gentle words if you must in a soft-spoken manner. And if you're given criticism, by the way, a key life hack is not to respond or respond softly. I had a very very aggressive boss for a couple of years in the DOE. She was not nice, very intense, loved to downplay people and talk down to people. Do you know what got her to stop talking? No talking in response. Why did you do this? Tani, I told you get this ready within five minutes or I'm calling the parent. I'm going to tell him you took him during reading. I'm going to tell him you took him during math. I'm going to tell him that you don't have any work. Where's the work? Show me the writing. Show me what you've been working on for weeks. That's not what an OT does, by the way. We work on hand skills. It could be Play-Doh, it could be cutting, it could be writing. I'm not always going to have student work like I'm a teacher. OTs are not teachers. We're different. But the best response was no response. Or the best response is a soft response. Tani, why don't you do this better? I'm sorry, ma'am. You're right. I wanted to rise out of you. I wanted you to argue back. I wanted you to yell back. I wanted to write you up for insubordination. They want the rise out of you. People who are aggressive, people who are narcissistic, people who are critical, and I hope you'll change. I can't change you. You can only change yourself. People who are criticizing by nature want the rise out of you. They want you to talk back. They want you to get heated and hated and angry under the collar. The best response is no response. Or the best response is a soft response, because that'll get them. They want to yell at you. They want you to yell back. If you don't yell back, the whole equilibrium is shot. Be careful if you criticize. Don't criticize. And if you hear criticism, either don't respond or respond very, very, very soft. We are held to a high standard as Jewish people. We need to be great people. We need to be wonderful people. We need to be positive people. Especially now in these three weeks, we need to learn ahavas chinam. Love for one another. No criticizing, no being critical, no being cynical, no being scoffing. This would be what would lead us to the next base of Migdash if it was destroyed. Besides for Gilei Raish, Shvichastamim, and Avodah which are major, major problems, but not for now. And there's still a Vodazar nowadays, of course. There's still people who are not moral nowadays, of course. There's still people who are killing, whether it be actual or whether it be embarrassing in public, which is like killing, and people who are idolizing money or people, the wrong people. Many things that have to be fixed. But one simple thing. Sinam Chinam, turn it on its head. How do you do that? By turning it into Ahavad Chinam. Lashon Hara, turn it on its head. How do you do that? Lashon Tov. 
Motzi Shemra, change it to Motzi Shem Tov. Onas Devarim, change it to Tovat Devarim. Not even the right verbiage, but I don't care. And you know, you talk about Rechilas, change that to Avak Shem Tov or Avak Tov. Everything that's negative, if you turn it negative, the whole world could be better. The Chavitz Chaim is quoted as saying, or a different commentator, I might be wrong, if every generation is guilty of destroying the Beis HaMikdash because of Sin Avchinam, and it's still not rebuilt today, the Gemara says, that's because it's still a problem today. So the Chavitz Chaim says, what's the solution? Ahavas Chinam. Mochi Shem Tov, talking good about others, finding the good in others, seeing the good in others, only using good words to others, beautiful words, positive words, peaceful words, knocking criticism out, knocking cynicism out, knocking scoffing out, period. You want the base of English back? You really want the base of English back? Help me help others to work on Ahavas Chinam. It starts with you. Simple. Talk nice. Don't criticize. Don't be critical. Don't be mean. Don't use negativity in this life. We can build the base of Megdash brick by brick. No one in this life can give proper criticism. Talmud already said 1,500 years ago, we can't do it. Don't do it. Go on a criticism fast for as long as it takes. It's always important to have people who can guide us, but make sure that you're led in the right way and make sure if you need to lead others, do it in a loving manner. Don't criticize. Don't talk negative. Only talk loving, positive, in a soft way. Don't be critical. Don't be criticizing. Don't be that person who's said that they are so critical. Understand that the only type of judging that should be done in this entire life is Don Lekav Sechus. Judging for the favor of the benefit of the doubt. If you could avoid criticism, we could avoid all of these troubles in our life. There are so many problems in this world. There are so many aspects in this world that are so not good. If we could alleviate criticism, if we could alleviate being critical and being harsh, the whole world would be better. We have the ability to build the base of English brick by brick. Won't you join me? To bring a little Ahavas Chinam to this world, a little more positivity to this world by speaking nicely, avoiding criticizing at all costs. Won't you help me? Together, we can make it happen today. This has been Tani Talks Radio, where we talk about the Shear for the week. For the audience members to keep, join us next week, same time, same place, here on Tani Talks Radio. And I'm your host, Tani.